0: Welcome to Caffeine, Crime and Canines, a podcast brought to you by two girls who love their dogs, love coffee, but most importantly, love true crime. What? How are you going? Yeah, not too bad. So it doesn't hurt or anything. It's like you're just... Yeah. Yeah, it's really... It's been...
1: Honestly, it's been really weird. Um... Like the first, I got my cataracts out Mm. and um, I've also got like a stigmatism in my left eye. So they fixed that. Well, they tried to fix that when I got my cataracts out. And then, so the first day I, like I wore a patch Tuesday, Wednesday, and then they took the patch off yesterday and, um, now I've just got like a bare bruised eye <laughs> um, and it's, it's not sore, but it's just uncomfortable. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. The best way to describe it. And I honestly, like the first two days I was watching Netflix and stuff like with one eye, um, which was honestly, I couldn't see out of my left eye anyway. So it did not make a difference. But now that, my new eye can see i'm like really thrown off oh really yeah it's been like a very interesting experience like <laughs> i've sort of got like um i think because the lens the doctor said it's completely normal but the lens would take a few days to settle so oh, sometimes yeah. when i'm walking it's like i can see like it's like my it's moving like my vision it's really weird i don't know how to explain oh, it that's so it, weird. it is so and i'm wearing sunnies inside i feel really extra because i cannot handle the light. <laughs> so um yeah i've just been binging uh what's it called podcasts all day today which has been yeah, nice that's good
0: yeah um yeah yeah i'm good just doing nothing i'm getting a bit bored now it's, are you yeah i'm getting really bored um but yeah looks like we're gonna be in it for a bit longer <laughs> i know and do you know
1: like like especially to how nice it was today on oh. self- so nice i was watching like the blue sky from my window just like mm. wow <laughs>
0: it's,
1: yeah but um yeah sucks we're definitely gonna be in for i reckon another month at least oh yeah for sure crazy hey it is honestly i just uh, i don't i do not watch any news like as in i don't watch the presses i don't watch anything anymore i just nah, don't want to know do I. Nah, they're too neither depressing do I. I feel like it's literally, and when I see the clips of it, it just
0: makes me angry. So it's better that (laughs) I don't watch it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I do the same now. Just Um, too much. Um, Yeah. So for the listeners out there, um, as I was just saying, Karina got her eye surgery this week. So we decided to do another one of those episodes where uh, Karina has no idea what we're going to (laughs) be talking about today. And I've, researched a case that i'm hoping she doesn't know i'm pretty sure you don't know this one um it's freaking crazy i don't even know where to start it's like full on but it should be really good i hope you enjoy the story karina i definitely I, you know i'm just gonna be so annoyed. i feel like i'm gonna have questions should we have
1: like a buzzword or should i just wait till the end for my question oh just
0: just um interrupt me I okay. think All yeah because right, cool. <laughs> yeah, there will be a lot of questions um so we're did a lot of research on this case from pretty much one documentary, mainly, um, which had some really good info in it. And yeah, it's a really good doco. So I'll put all the, I'll mention all that at the end. Yes, I think I'm going to want to watch the doco. It's really good. Yeah. Um, But I've got so many notes. I had to try and um, condense them down, but I didn't do very well. So (laughs) do you want to get straight into it? Yeah, let's get, let's get into it. I'm excited. Okay. So... me covering all my bases making sure that if something happens to me or my family or all of us and the phone rang and the voice on the other end said when was the last time you saw Susan and I instantly kind of felt like dread what has happened 28 year old Susan Powell was last seen Sunday it has been
1: three days four days and counting been missing for a week
0: Josh had taken the children on a middle-of-the-night camping trip it was freezing cold none of this makes any sense he was like yeah the kids are here no susan's not with me and i was like well, where is she you know and he was like i don't know who were you camping with?
1: Uh, my dad and my mom the children said mommy was in the van but didn't come back with us pretty significant thing for a, a four-year-old to, to tell a detective.
0: Susan had often referred to her father-in-law as creepy. Uh,
1: We're too
0: close. <laughs> there was Steven wanting to be interviewed and he ends up revealing the biggest bombshell. We interacted in a lot of sexual ways because I enjoy doing that. She even goes as far as
1: to say, if I die, it may not be an accident. Okay, I'm going
0: to ask one last nice question. How am going to find your wife without your help? Today, we are talking about the case of Susan Cox Powell. Um, now, as I mentioned in the documentary, there's one in Australia, you can get it online now. It's just called The Disappearance of Susan Cox Powell, and it's really, really good. It's like two episodes that go for two hours each. Um, and yeah, it's really, really thorough. So, Susan was born and raised in the state of Washington um, in a town that I'm not even going to try and pronounce. Um, but <laughs> I she <love> was, that. <laughs> it's, it's very weird. Um, but she was like a very positive, very ambitious, and determined young girl. And in high school, she decided she wanted to be a beautician. Um, but most importantly, all she wanted out of, out of life was to get married and have kids. That was like her main goal. Um, and her parents say that, you know, Pretty much when she finished high school, like, she was out looking for someone to marry. Like, that's just kind of what she wanted to do. So her dad actually explains that she was quite impatient for this kind of chapter in her life to start. And in April uh, 2001, she married a guy called Josh Powell. So she was only 19 when she married Josh and Josh was 23 so she was right into it, finished high school and you know obviously met Josh and just got married straight away. Yeah. Um, her parents were like a little bit weirded out by how soon they got married and how young she was but knew that it was something that she did want. Um, and Josh was a part of the Mormon church so she was she married into the Mormon church. Ooh. Um, but Susan apparently really liked being a part of the religion. Like she kind of liked the rules and the structure. So it was never something that deterred her. She actually really liked being a part of that whole institution.
1: Wait, so you know, Mormon? that's, are they the bush people?
0: <laughs> the bush but, people? Yeah, like they they live with no electricity and stuff. No, no, that's Amish. Oh, okay. Mormons are like, um... They're, oh, I know,
1: I know, they wear hats. They yeah.
0: wear hats. Yeah, yeah. And they're very, like, they're very, it almost like Christian Catholics. Like, they just kind of follow the Bible, but um, they have a few more rules. Okay. Under, yeah, not really all across it, but it's like a stricter Christian religion is maybe how I would describe it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, So Josh, like I said, was twenty three when they got married. He was described like as a very loud, overbearing person, and he was like one of those guys that was like people would describe him as a bit of a know it all, um, and always thought like his opinions were like the the only ones that mattered. Like you know those types of people that are just like yeah, yeah. yeah." So he was a bit like that. and Susan's mother kind of says, you know, Josh just knew it all, like what, you know, there was no point ever kind of debating with him, arguing with him because he just apparently knew everything. Um, and he kind of only ever talked about himself. So he's a bit of a self-absorbed guy.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and Susan's family kind of, before they got married, asked her not to marry him because Susan's mom actually says, you know, something just didn't seem right about him. Wow, that's so interesting. She got, like, bad vibes off him. Straight away, yeah, straight away. I think she actually used the words there's a darkness to him or something, like, along those lines. Um, So they got married anyway. Um, And then in April 2004, once they'd been married for three years, Josh had tried to be a real estate agent and it hadn't really worked out for him. So they decided to move from Washington State to Utah um, just for better job opportunities. And I think where they moved was another, like, quite heavily populated Mormon kind of town as well. Um, Shortly after they made this move to Utah, Susan had found out she was pregnant um, and they had their first son called Charlie. And then not long after that, they had their second son called Braden. So it, you know, it kind of seems like Susan had gotten everything she wanted at this moment. Um, However, there was a bit of a bit of tension in their marriage. Josh did have a bit of a temper, um, and there was kind of reports that he had shoved her and pushed her on multiple occasions and friends had kind of noticed some instances where he would yell kind of like at Susan so loudly, so aggressively that their little boys would start to cry like it was like kind of scary. really. Yeah. so um, Josh controlled all of their finances, which is obviously a big giveaway of, like abuse Coercive in a relationship. Control. Coercive control. Yes, this yeah. is Laura Richards. Yeah. Yeah. So Susan was given an allowance of a hundred dollars by Josh a week. This was to buy food for the whole house. What? And gas and everything. Um and then another kind of thing that I guess shows how controlling he was, like he just decided one day that they were going to get rid of their second car because it was costing them too much and made Susan ride a bike to work, which I think was actually miles away. So, what the father actually yeah. infuriates me, yeah. And Susan was taken a bit aback by how he was behaving. Like she does mention to friends, like, this is not the guy that I married. Um, And obviously in the Mormon church, divorce is really, really, really frowned upon. So it was kind of not an option for her. She was kind of just thinking about how it was going to work out. And it was, I imagine like it'd be so scary for her. Like she married him when she was 19, obviously thought he was a good guy. And then as and marriage. he's moved her away from her parents Yeah, as well. marriage, Yeah, and his parents were in the Washington State as well, so they kind of were away from everyone. Isolated,
1: yeah. Mm.
0: So at this time, um, Susan was kind of talking to her friends and saying how, you know, she was a bit concerned and trying to decide what, like, if she had any options because with the Mormon church, like I said, like divorce is a huge deal. Um, And I think she liked being a part of the religion, so it was never an intention to leave it. So it was like a bit confusing for her. Yeah. Um, So on December the 7th, 2009, at this point in time, Josh and Susan had been married for eight years. Uh, Josh's mother, who I think went to visit them in Utah quite frequently, and I think Josh had a sister that lived not far away as well, but Josh's mother called 911 to report Josh, Susan, and their two boys as missing. In the call, she says they weren't responding to people knocking on their door and there was no car tire tracks out of their driveway. And this was unusual because the night before was a huge snowstorm. So everyone had, you know, like there was a huge snowfall that night before. So everyone had to kind of shovel out their driveways to actually get out. So that was. So they must have left before the snow. The snowstorm. Yeah, yeah, before the snowstorm. So, and and neither Josh or Susan had turned up for work that day as well, and the boys were not in daycare. So they were like all of them, the whole family, completely missing. Yeah. So um, the police broke into their house with Josh's mum and sister there with them, like they got the permission, Um, and. The police kind of broke in and had a look around and the first thing they noticed, which was really weird, is that it looked like the couch had recently been cleaned and there were two, like, portable fans set up right near the couch as if they were trying to dry it. Oh, yeah. So dodgy. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Susan's purse was also in the house, like, in her keys and all her belongings and the house was completely locked up as well. So very weird. So later that day, this is just still the December the 7th, a detective was kind of assigned to the case and he turned up to the, their house and at this point like there was heaps of family and friends that had come to help and the house was just like busy, like there was just people everywhere and this detective was said he was furious because this was technically a crime scene and there was so many people in there that who knows like what. Ev-
1: yes, yeah, stuffing up yeah. all the evidence. Yeah. So, so wait, f- who let
0: them in? Just the family or, like, the, the police? Yeah,
1: and the oh. family
0: were there. Um, I think it was just, like, a local police department, so I just don't think that they thought, like, that it was anything sinister. Yeah. Uh, but the detective immediately kicked everyone out and he said he just started taking photos of everything. He just tried to take photos of everything as it was at that moment in time because who knew what had been moved at that point? Yeah. So... A friend of Susan's, her name was Giovanna, she was actually the last person to see Susan and this was the day before. She said she'd spent the afternoon of December the 6th with the entire family, so Josh and the boys, and this was at around 4pm on this afternoon. Josh was apparently making pancakes for Susan and not the boys, just Susan, which was very, very unusual because... All of his friends and family said he refused to cook. Like he was not, not a domestic person at all. He never cooked ever. So the fact that he was cooking for Susan was really odd.
1: Wow! Don't get yeah. drugged
0: her. Sorry. Keep going. Hmm. So um, the friends still stayed at the house. And after a while, she, she said um, to her friend that she was feeling really tired and she was going to go lay down. Um, And then Josh said to Giovanna, okay, you need to leave. I'm going to go take the boys sledding or something. They were going to go play in the snow. And um, this friend Giovanna said Josh had already driven off before she'd left the house. Like he was like quickly get out and then just drove off. (gasps) So that was her, ah, last, her last, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that Giovanna, like, that was the last interaction with Susan and, like, that was it. Like, so that's she all... said
1: goodbye, I'm going to go, Susan's like, I'm going to go to sleep, I'm not feeling yeah. right yep. well.
0: And Giovanna's like, bye,
1: and then le- she left. Yep, exactly, yep. Yeah.
0: So on the afternoon of December the 7th, so this is the day that people have realised that they're missing, no one could get in touch with Josh or Susan. Um, Giovanna managed to get a hold of Josh somehow He answered her call and he, she said to him, you need to get home as soon as possible. We don't know where Susan is. After this phone call with Giovanna, Josh then drove 20 minutes south, which was the opposite direction to where their house was. Their house was north. And then he stopped. He made a phone call to Susan's mobile phone and said, you know, hey, Susan, we're on our way back now. Hopefully you got to work okay. Oh, my and then he makes gosh. his way home. Yeah. Then while he's on his way back home, slowly, the detective, his name was Detective Maxwell. He got a hold of Josh as well and said, "Josh, like you need to come home right now." Um, he didn't come home straight away. He then detoured. He drove to Susan's, and fucked out the front, and then rang her mobile phone again, and said, "Susan, I'm here to pick you up from work." Which is completely odd because the detectives rang him, his friends rang him, and all said like no one knows where Susan is yet. He's still driven to her work to pick her up. Wait Wait a second. And
1: is he trying to pretend that he went out in the morning to go, like, play with the kids, but there was no no
0: snow tracks, like, do you know what I mean, in the driveway that he even left? Yeah. Okay. So... He, yeah, he goes to Susan's work, he makes this phone call, and then he finally decides to rock back up at his house. So he turned back up to their house 45 minutes after the detective asked him to return, Um, and then Josh is taken straight to the station for questioning. Because at this point, Josh and the boys are accounted for, but Susan isn't. And then in his interview, he said he last saw Susan at around midnight the night before because he decided to take the boys camping at midnight.
1: Oh my God. How dumb. Can I tell you something? <laughs> this guy is yeah. so dumb.
0: Yeah. So there was a snowstorm, but it apparently took his boys camping, said goodbye to Susan, and that was that. Surely he had to have a better plan than yeah. this. Yeah. So the interview that he initially did with police was done in about an hour, um, but the agreement was that he would return for a scheduled interview the next day. Cause I think he was just like a bit distraught and he didn't know what to do with the boys. And I don't think police were getting anywhere with him. So they just said, end it, come back tomorrow, come in at this time and we'll talk to you again. So at this point there wasn't really enough evidence for police to search their house thoroughly or the, or Josh's car or anything. They were just going to wait to see um, what happened with this interview the next day. So this is December the 8th. Now Josh's mum and sister come over to the Powell household the next day, just to see how Josh is doing before the interview. Um, and they said that he came, they came over and he was cleaning out his car. He was doing laundry and he was cleaning the house. And even his mum and sister said this behavior was odd for him because he was not domestic in the slightest. Like this was so odd. Um, Doesn't this just make him look so... So uh, guilty, yeah. Like,
1: what the... uh, It's so
0: freaking crazy. He turned up for his interview, but he was four hours late and he didn't provide any explanation as to why he was late. He just kind of rocked up and that was it. Um, He does mention in this interview, and I don't know if it's like slip of the tongue or I don't know what happened, but he mentions that Susan's phone was in the car that he took the boys camping in. So... The first kind of red flag is like, okay, well, if you knew that your her phone is with you, why are you calling her to tell you that you're coming back? Why are you calling her to tell you that, you know, I'm here to pick you up from work? Like yeah, isn't it really, ringing? Like yeah. even if
1: it's on silent, you usually hear, you know what yeah. I mean?
0: Like, you know, it's in the car. Yeah. So it was very odd. And the detective is trying to really trying to like squeeze information out of him in this interview and just trying to see like kind of what he responds to and what he doesn't. And he kind of says things like, oh, you know, did Susan ever have an affair? Was there a possibility she could have run away with another guy? And he was like, no, no, no. And then the detective said, okay, was Susan depressed or suicidal? And it's like he just paused and was like, you know what? Yeah, she was suicidal. So mm. it's like he, he, he kind of heard that and thought, this plan will work, you know?
1: Yeah, they put
0: that in his head like a yeah. like planted a seed. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, Still at this point, like Josh was obviously the person of interest, but they didn't really have too much to go on and they couldn't get any warrants or anything. But they did. Hey, wait, sorry. How about that couch with the fans? Mm, Very weird, hey. But nothing goes anywhere with this couch. At this point, they can't get into his house. They don't have enough evidence to search the house. So that's still just like a detail that they're, don't really
1: know. Holding on to, yeah.
0: Yeah. So during the investigation, the police find that Susan had a safety deposit box, which I don't think Josh knew about. It was all on her, on her own. Go, Susan! Yeah, and in this box, she had a tape, and they played the tape, and it was like her filming her whole house. And then at the end of the um, like the film, she faces the camera to herself and she says, um, "You know, this is just in case anything ever happens to me or my family. All our assets are documented." Like, that was the whole, I don't know, reason for the tape. But then... It's like she knew something was going to happen to it. Yeah. And then also in her safe deposit box was a handwritten will. And it was made out to everyone, like her kids, but not Josh. Like, it actually said specifically that, you know, nothing was for Josh. And in the will, she wrote, if I die, it might not be an accident, even if it looks like one. So it is like she knew something was going to happen to her.
1: But, hey, is that evidence now for the police to go search this guy? This guy's
0: house or their um, house? Yes and no. They're definitely still zoning in on Josh and they're trying to gather a little bit more evidence. And he's coming in for another interview the next day as well. Okay, So December the 9th he comes back in again and at this point they're searching his car. So they're not in the house but they are searching his car and he finishes their interview. The interview with the police and the police said oh look like we're almost finished searching your car if you just want to stick around for 15 minutes it'll be done and we'll bring it around for you to take he (sighs) didn't he didn't wait 15 minutes he immediately left got a taxi hired a rental car and left his minivan at the cops at the cop station but the weird thing is when he hired this rental car he put 800 miles on it in like a day which is about 1300 kilometers
1: That maybe he's gone to visit the
0: body to make sure it's covered.
1: Hey, how about his phone? Can't they, like, because it's 2009, as
0: if they can't track his phone? Yeah. So, um, sorry, this gets really, (laughs) yeah, it gets really interesting. Uh, It's actually my next point. So, um, he's obviously still the main person of interest. So, um, while Josh and the boys were apparently camping, there was zero activity on his phone at all. So he's turned it off. Turned it off. There was nothing. There was no pings. There was nothing. They couldn't trace where he even went camping. They had nothing. Hey, Lockie, sorry, another thing. Where? How old are the little boys? Um, I couldn't find their exact ages, but I think by the looks of the documentary, they were only really young. I don't think Charlie would have even been five. I reckon Charlie maybe would have been four, maybe three, and Braden probably would have been two. They were only really young. So you couldn't really even ask the boys anything? No, Because no. they were too little. All right. Now, this is where it takes another turn. So his uh, phone obviously had no activity and the police then start looking at kind of all of Josh's phone records and people, like relatives and friends and looking at kind of everyone's phone records. And they noticed that Josh's father, Steve Powell, also didn't have any activity on his cell phone Mm. for the exact same amount of time that Josh was apparently camping. So the question is then raised, like, is Steve involved? Did Steve know what was going on? Was he with Josh? Like, what the hell? And then it was also found out that Steve also wasn't at work around this same time as well.
1: He was in on it. How
0: sad. But he did have an alibi. He did claim that he was back in Washington state. He lived with his other children, three adult children, and they all vouched for him saying that, you know, yeah, he was home. Um, And these were obviously Josh's siblings. Their names were Alina, Mike, and John. So there was five PAL children. There was Josh, Mike, John. Um, I think Mike may have been like mentally disabled, Um, Then there was Alina and then there was another sister called Jennifer who was pretty much estranged from the family.
1: Is that the one that lived near?
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Yeah, so they're like, okay, he's got an alibi but this is still really odd. Um, They bring Steve in for an interview because they thought that maybe he at least knew something. Yeah. In this interview, quite quickly, he openly admitted that he was obsessed and infatuated with Susan. Oh the dad. The dad, yeah. What? Um and he kind of says that it was um mutual. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, no. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of people describe Steve as being very narcissistic and out of touch with reality and he always thought Susan was flirting with him even though she wasn't. So I think Shut he just literally up. had no idea. Ah. <laughs>
1: Yeah. She was probably like, I made him run some cookies. He's like, mm, she baked them for me. Like, you know, are yeah.
0: just made up shit in their head. I mean, like from the documentary, cause there's a lot of like home videos and stuff. And um, I wouldn't say she's flirting with him, but I definitely can see how an older man that's very out of touch with reality may have taken it the wrong way. Like, when they lived, like, because Josh and Susan lived with them for a brief amount of time when they got married and there's this one home video and Susan runs down and she <laughs> goes to Steve, hey, look, I just waxed my legs and he's just, like, filming her legs. Like, that's a bit but, weird to me. But still, it's no no reason to, I don't know. But
1: I feel, but I, I guess it depends on the relationship you have. Yeah. Like, with your partner's parents because hmm. you know what I mean? Like with Tony's parents, I see them as like
0: my own parents. You know what I mean? So I, exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: So I'm like I always like
0: stir Tony's dad. Like, yeah. you know, it's just. Yeah. I um, feel like um, she was just friendly and he just took it the wrong way. hundred percent. Oh no. Um. So like I said, he liked to document everything. He was always filming. He always had a video camera and he had heaps of home videos. And during the investigation, they find these videos and um. There is hundreds, if not thousands, of his home movies, and he's pretty much stalking her. He's filming her from other rooms. He's like secretly the filming dad. her. Like, yeah. So,
1: did, does the son know that the dad's obsessed with his wife?
0: I think he did. And Josh just like Was, didn't oh, like, oh, dad. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just didn't want to accept it or didn't want to do anything about it. Or I don't know. But, um, that's so creepy. It's creepy, yeah. He would he'd film like her like butt and her boobs a lot. Um, there was actually a few home videos of her of him sitting in his car filming her walking out of work. So like hundred percent stalking her. Like she wouldn't have known he was filming that.
1: What the fuck? hey? What did he do with these? So was this like his home video? So he yeah. would take his like record, like actual camera yeah. there, and yeah. then like just put them
0: away so no one else would see them. Yeah, or he'd watch them in his own time. What they and wait and his wife obviously had no idea. So at this point in time, Steve was divorced from Josh's uh, mum. Okay. So he was doesn't single. make it any better. But no, still. <laughs> there's one um, home movie that's on the documentary, and she's in another room bending over, and he's filming her ass. Mm. And in the background, you can hear him talking to himself, and he says, "God, I worship her. I'm so turned on when she's around. Like he's just a real creep, right?" Oh my gosh! Yeah. So Steve even kept journals about Susan and he had like hundreds of pictures of Susan. He'd even like Photoshopped photos of himself with Susan in these photos. Oh, my God. I'm so <laughs> –
1: this reminds me one-hour photo. Have you ever seen that with Robin Williams? No. Oh. That movie, he's it. like he's like a phone, he's like a sorry, he's like a photo guy. You know, in the old days where you take like um, sorry, your photos to be developed. Yeah, and he became obsessed with it and would put like his face on top of like the <laughs> photos. That's what, and he's like an old creepy guy. Anyway, yeah. sorry, keep
0: going. And well, and he so he had all those photos, but he also had like her underwear and her old laundry, and like he used to film himself smelling them. As well. Like, he was a real freak. Hey, I wonder if this is why her husband made the move. Possibly. Out of the state. Like, do you know what I mean? I think he would have 100% had to have known that something was off. And I think that Steve was very, like, head of the house and all the children listened to what he said. And I think you would never talk back to him. Like, that's kind of the whole relationship he had with his kids. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously very odd but he said that this obsession with Susan started when they lived in Steve's house um like when they got married as newlyweds they lived there for like a short amount of time and that's when he said that um he got this obsession with her um and Susan apparently knew as well like Susan would tell her friends that her father-in-law had a crush on her like so she she knew I think oh wow okay yeah um Yeah, so Steve was also, like, he genuinely thought that Susan and Steve were in love. He thought that it was, like, this big secret that they were in love with each other. Oh. And shortly after Josh and Susan got married, Steve apparently told Susan, now, well, Josh and I can share you. Oh, gross. (laughs) No. Wait, did she tell her friends that he said this? She, yeah, she told her no, uh, I don't know where they, this came from. but Oh, my god! Yes. And I've got a note here that this creeped her out so much, this was when they made the move to Utah. So I don't know oh. if it was like a combination of Susan saying, I want to get out of here and Josh saying, okay, let's move. I don't know.
1: Okay, so now that move makes a lot more sense in <laughs> yep. my
0: mind. Yep. Um, so... There was like, there was something off with like the whole Powell family. Like Steve's rules for the kids were that they didn't really have any rules. Like he was a bit of a, like he didn't believe in like the school system. So I don't think his children like attended school. Okay. Um, and outside friends and family or whatever described the whole family as creepy. Like mm. all of them, all the kids are creepy. I'm
1: dying to see what they look like. Mm. They look kind of normal. I'm just like <laughs> yeah yeah it must have been just the the weird like did I mean like your gut you know how your gut tells you
0: stuff yeah it was oh it's just weird anyway so they found journals of Steve and it said in those journals that he wanted to get into polygamy like that's when you have multiple wives and he wanted another wife and Teresa which is the Josh's mum Um, They were obviously married. I think, like, he brought it up to to Teresa and she's like, no way, we're getting another wife. Is Um, this part of, is this like a Mormon thing or no, it's not even part of it? I don't think so. Not that I Because I was going to
1: say, how the heck in that religion would you be able to, you're not allowed to get
0: divorced but you can have multiple wives? Well, I think uh, Mormons, I I don't think it's related, but Mormons, I think, men are held in very high power. So uh, I don't know if he just, like, or it just went from there, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, Teresa also said, like, she divorced him because of the polygamy thing and he was also, like, obsessed with porn. Oh, my gosh. And Jennifer, which is the, the daughter that's kind of estranged from the family, she recalls this time where she went on a business trip with Steve and in the hotel that they stayed in, he sat there and watched porn with his daughter in the room what the heck Mm, you mm. are kidding real creep yeah well no wonder she ran away from them yeah so they obviously the police unraveled all this stuff about the Powell family and like this is where they started focusing on and they also started focusing on mike powell so is that the brother yeah so i got it mixed up so mike was john powell was the one that was mentally disabled mike was not and mike and josh were apparently quite close Um, because they found out the day after Susan disappeared, Mike and Alina Powell, which Alina is the other daughter, they travelled from Washington State to Utah to be with Josh and the children. Um, And then when they returned back to Washington, their car broke down in Oregon. And rather than taking the car to a salvage yard in Oregon where they would give him money to take his car, he paid Five hundred dollars for his car to be towed closer to home and then destroyed, which is like a bit of a weird thing because he was pretty much going to get paid to, for his car to be taken, but he instead. Spent and these were his these kids were his alibi as well, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So police later found the junkyard where um, Mike sent his car to be stored, and they brought in sniffer dogs and they hit on Mike's car for decomposed human remains in the trunk of the car. Wow. So this vehicle was then sent away to be forensically tested, but unfortunately nothing was found. Um, But like I think they were testing DNA or whatever, but it was pretty clear that there was something going on in this family. Like the family had something to do with
1: it.
0: 100%. So shortly after Susan disappeared, Josh packed up his house and moved back to Washington State and moved back into Steve's house. He took the boys with them. Oh, my gosh. Um, that's horrible. The, yeah, and the police thought this is so weird because Josh th- thinks that is telling police at this point like that she's just being kidnapped or whatever and she's going to come back home. So this is not a move that you do if you believe your wife's going to come home because like you knew she wasn't going to come home.
1: Yeah, that's crazy.
0: And then Josh and Steve start going on this, like, big media tour. They're, like, doing all these interviews on, like, news um, channels and bloody, like. um, Wait, because they think she's, this trying to say she was kidnapped. Yeah, they're just, like, trying to put themselves out in the media. And they're painting Susan out to be, like, this promiscuous girl who had a double life and um, that it's likely that maybe she ran off with somebody else and, like, yeah. Doing heaps of interviews, they're literally all over the all over the news. Saying all this stuff about her, and they and they keep saying in the interviews that they've got all of Susan's journals from when she was a teenager, and this pretty much proves their theory that she's probably run off with another guy.
1: But her dream was to be a mother, and mm. she became a mother. Like, mm. and she loved her religion. Like that is, yeah.
0: yeah. So at this point, the police are obviously seeing all of the um interviews that they're doing and they want to get their hands on these journals of Susan's but they need more evidence to search Steve's house so what they do is they get together with uh, Susan's parents to try and lure Steve in to admit that he's got the journal so I think that's all they need to like search his house or whatever. So in August of 2011 the police set up what they call a honking wave where like people get like, signs and stuff and they stand on the side of the road and they get people to honk when they see the big signs just to raise awareness that, like, Susan was missing. I don't know. It must happen all the time over there. It didn't make any sense to me. but That's crazy. Yeah. Hey, I've never heard of that. No. I thought it was really weird. Apparently it just, like, raises awareness and all that stuff. Um, so the the that. Cox family did this and, like, took, took control of this whole honking wave and they thought that – the type of guy that Steve Powell is, he's not going to let this just yeah. go. Because he'll, he'll want to be involved. Exactly. And it works. So, like, he actually comes up to them and he's arguing with Susan's dad and because there's news media there and whatever. He's trying to get on camera and it worked. So they got the search warrant for his house. But that's their daughter. What the fuck? What does I that have anything to do with him? I know. It's horrible. You should see it. He's, like, literally just so mean to their family. <laughs> So they get into Steve's house and not only did they get all of Susan's teenage journals that they wanted, they also found so much more. They oh, found used cotton balls by Susan. These were put in plastic bags with dates on them. They found used feminine hygiene products of Susan's. No Hair clippings, toenail clippings.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Clothes, underwear, pictures of Susan and videos that he'd taken of her. There was videos of that Steve had filmed of himself masturbating to photos. What? Of Susan. A freaking sicko. What <laughs> they also is? found videos of that he'd done he was videotaping like random girls in the neighborhood as well. And some of these girls were underage. They found all this stuff on him, right? What? A perv. Oh my A gosh. Perv. Isn't it crazy. So they arrest Steve because Regardless of whether he's involved in this whole Susan thing or not, they have enough that he's committed, like, enough crimes, right? Yeah. So um, the police let Josh know that his dad, Steve, was going to be arrested and that his, Josh's boys would be taken into protective custody because it wasn't safe in that environment. Apparently he didn't even say goodbye to his kids. He just oh, walked away.
1: He just, no. was like,
0: walked away and left them. Um, and so at this point, he loses custody of them. I think they temporarily. temporarily? Oh, sorry, go. Ahead. Sorry, you go.
1: I was just going to say, just can Susan's parents get custody of her children?
0: Yeah, so they get temporary custody only because they have. I think they say something like, because the boys have a living parent, oh. it's just temporary. Um, but I guess it's better than nothing. Yeah. Um, and then Josh obviously appeals this kind of thing. Um, But the judge says, okay, he's got to get a psychological evaluation and then they can discuss like custody arrangements. During this psychological evaluation, all of this weird stuff comes up in the questionnaire and at the same time, the police are still sifting through all of the stuff that they found at Steve's house, which includes Josh's possessions. And one of those possessions was Josh's computer. And on Josh's computer, they find images and evidence of child pornography and incest. Oh, no. So this obviously means that he was not classed as a fit father and he doesn't get his custody back, but he's still. So temporary custody of, of the boys is still with Susan's parents, but the judge allows Josh to have supervised visits with the boys. So like with a social worker, right?
1: But if it, it, with incest as well. Yeah. What the fudge? Why? That's
0: so annoying. So he gets his supervised visits um, and the first visit was taking place on February the 5th, 2012, which was actually Super Bowl Sunday and the social worker picks the boys up from Susan's parents' house and the plan is he's going to drive them to Josh's house and she will stay there the whole time for the visitation and then she will take them back to... Susan's parents, right? Yeah. So the social worker picks up the boys. She drives to Josh's house. She knocks on the door. Josh opens the door. The boys go running inside. And then Josh slams the door in the social worker's face and he would not let her into the house. And at this point, the social worker can hear the boys crying inside. So she calls 911 and she says, you know, I'm here. I'm doing a supervised visit. I'm not let into the house. I'm afraid for these boys' lives.
1: Oh, my gosh, I'm heartbroken for these boys.
0: Moments later, the house is on fire. Oh. So Josh, it's it's later found that Josh apparently assaulted the boys with an axe of some (gasps) kind.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Then he spread petrol all over the house and lit it with him inside. So he murdered his two kids and he killed himself at the same time.
1: What a motherfucker. Mm Mm-hmm. You are freaking kidding me.
0: So it unfortunately, like, that's kind of where this story ends, unfortunately. Like, a year after Josh passed away, Mike Powell, uh, which is the one with the shady car, he commits suicide. No reason why he didn't leave a note or anything. And then a few years after this, Steve's obviously doing time, for I don't know what what he's doing, stalking or whatever. Being a pedo being a pedo yeah he gets released and he lives in like this halfway house for registered sex, sex offenders and during this time he has a heart attack and he dies oh good so,
1: riddance honestly so the
0: police have nothing now and that that's literally the end of the story no one knows what happened to susan because everyone that maybe has an answer has passed away how about the daughter wasn't the daughter with him, like alina sister yeah yeah, so Alina is the youngest of the five kids and she talks in the documentary and she's still very on her dad's side, but they talk in the documentary that Steve was obviously a, like a master manipulator and held himself in very high regard and thinks that Alina is kind of brainwashed really. Like, or well, maybe because she's a girl, like as you said, because mm-hmm. it's like male-
1: dominant he maybe didn't share as much with her as he did with the others that is a horrid story oh my gosh i know those poor little boys in. um yeah it's pretty crazy what the fudge oh my
0: gosh i actually oh so that's the story (laughs) that's literally it It just turn after turn really that is
1: Um. madness
0: yeah, so I think like obviously Susan has passed away and I think Josh was responsible 100%. Yeah. And I think Steve knew. I don't I don't know if he was necessarily with Josh, but I think that Josh would have told Steve what had happened at, at least. But don't you reckon see I feel like he like
1: spiked her pancakes or whatever. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yep. And then he's like um like, do you know what I mean? He's pretend like he's driven off, whatever. And because obviously that's going to like pass her out or whatever happens. And then he, the, he knows the friend's going to leave. So he comes back around, gets her, puts her in his boot and drives to wherever.
0: Yeah. So in the documentary, they talk about how um, Josh was like obsessed with crime TV shows. And he used oh. to always, yeah, he used to always say to Susan, like, you know, if you wanted to get rid of a body, you should throw them down a mine. He thought that the best place to get rid of a body was to throw them down a mine, and there was heaps of mines in the area of Utah. Police did search as many mines as they could, but it was really hard. Like Utah is so mountainous that they couldn't search every single area. You know, they did their their best they the best they could, but I think the theory is that. He killed her at home somehow and put her body in the car, put the boys in the car, drove her out to a mine.
1: But then, that, but that wouldn't explain why the dogs hit on the other car. Yeah. That's true. And, and I feel like if the dad, like if they came up with a plan in the family, I know this is so bad and horrible, but I feel like the dad would have wanted her body.
0: Yeah. Well, I feel like the his alibi isn't legitimate because no the way. kids are, like pretty much worship him. Like,
1: yes. Yeah. And you know what? He could just be like, listen, I'm going to go out. Like, he could have just spun any bullshit, right? Left his phone at home and gone to meet his son wherever it was. Mm. Mm. And do you know what I mean? And all he has to tell the kids is, just make, just, I've got to help your brother, but you can't tell anyone. And they would have yeah. believed, like, they would have held up, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the alibi. Yeah. I definitely think they had something to do with it. I think so as well. The fact that the brother committed suicide as well. The dad was a creepy pedo freak and yeah. the son was just, I don't know, I don't even know. That's ho- well, and well, then obviously- The only
0: kind of other sane daughter, the oldest daughter, she's estranged from the family. And she talks on the documentary a lot and she 100% not- thinks that Josh killed Susan yeah. and that Steve knew something. She, that's her, hundred, like that is her opinion. Yeah, but his ex-wife, she talks on there as well. Um, not really. No, I think very briefly she talks about why they got divorced, but that she doesn't talk very much about it.
1: That is horrid. That story, like mm. it was really bad at the start, and then yeah, that kid thing has sent me over the edge. I know. I know. Who does crazy. that? Do it to yourself. Do you know what I mean? And like, I don't understand why to get them involved.
0: Exactly. It's crazy. But yeah, <laughs> what a story, Lucky. <laughs> I know. So you hadn't heard of that one no, before? No, I actually no. haven't. But, yeah, go and watch the documentary. It's on Nine now. It's called The Disappearance of Susan Cox Powell. It's really good, really well done. Um, yeah, it was a good watch. I definitely am going to go watch it now. That's crazy. Yeah. So, so, like, yeah.
1: well, this whole episode, I'm like, that's crazy. That's crazy yeah, because <laughs> yeah. there's
0: so much going on. <laughs> yeah, like, I kind of knew briefly about it, but obviously learned so much more watching that doco, and I was, like, hooked. I couldn't believe, like... There was just so many spanners. What? Yeah, yeah, and crazy. you know what?
1: Lucky, like, it's not like your normal ending. Like they were found guilty and put away. It's like no. it just explodes, and then there's no ending.
0: Yeah, everyone's dead, so there's yeah. no information, which is unfortunate.
1: Yeah. No, it very, it very much is like, mm.
0: especially because it was her whole dream the whole time.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's very sad. It
0: sucks, um, but yeah, that's it. That's this it for this week. That is yeah a wrap. Yeah, so if you have a case you want us to cover, send us a message on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at Caffeine Crime and Canines. Yes, and review, rate, um, message us on Insta, all that stuff. Yep, do all of that. Yes. But until next week. Until next week. Bye. Bye.